What is up? Oh my gosh. (laughs) How are you? How are you? Wow. I am recording this intro just right before this podcast uh, episode go, this interview goes live. And, you know, I took last week off and I got to tell you, it feels, it feels strange (laughs) being back in my office chair, being back in front of the microphone feels good, but also feels like, you know, it's like, you know how, like sometimes when you've, you've slept for a really, really long time and then you get up and you're like moving your body and you're like, oh my gosh, how does this work? And you know what I mean? Or like you had like a really deep sleep. Um, and you're like moving your body and you're trying to figure out how things work again. And you're like, what is, what is this? (laughs) But I'm back and thank you so much for being here. I am so pumped about today's discussion. It's really more of a discussion about midlife transits and you'll hear me kind of talk about this briefly in the intro, but man, if I would have had this information when I was in my early thirties, uh, even mid-30s, it would have been so helpful for me. And I could have been so much kinder to myself. I would have given myself so much more grace. You know, these midlife transits are huge, 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 huge. And I'm so thankful for Katie Emma, who popped on, um, popped in, I should say, to chat with us about them. And I will get to introducing her in just a minute, but I can't emphasize enough, you know, We all grow up here in the West, anyway, hearing about midlife crisis, you know, like the guy buying the Corvette or or dating the girl that's like a third of his age or, you know what I mean? Like we hear about all these different stereotypes about the midlife and we don't understand that they are completely tied in with astrology and we all go through them. We all go through them. And what's really beautiful, I think, like an overarching theme of these transits, and there's several, I think there's five or six altogether leading up to the Chiron return at 51, but um, they are really meant to bring us back to ourselves, to get us back in line and on our path with what it is we came into this life to do. And, but I'm not going to lie they're not easy. And if you're someone who is in flow and yeah, you you probably maybe flew through them or you will fly through them. Regardless, this information is huge. And I'm so excited to be sharing it with you because I know it's going to bring you a lot of value. And even me sitting down and talking with her and and poor Katie, I, (laughs) I, we ended up chatting for about an hour longer, um, after we got done recording this very long podcast, because, Oh my gosh, she's such a a beacon of wisdom and it was just really cool. But um, yeah, so make sure, I know this is a longer episode, cut it into a couple of listenings if you need to know that there's good stuff for you here. Um, So that aside, I pretty much only have like two very short announcements for you, one of which is really, really huge. But first, just another reminder, every Friday, YouTube, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard, come hang out with me for a live weekly forecast from the Akashic Records channel through, um, yeah, 
I obviously wasn't around last week, but we'll be jumping back in this week. And I would love for you to come and join me live. If you cannot, make sure to hit me up in the comments section, check out the replay. Um, If you have questions, general questions, feel free to throw those in the comments area. And um, yeah, the second thing is really, really huge. And um, for those who have been listening to this podcast on a consistent basis, especially lately, you know I've been going through it. (laughs) Going through it. Um, We talk about that a little bit in this interview as well. But um, yeah, I've just been really going through it. And what was really beautiful is that I had a reading in March with Lori, who I interviewed earlier this year. I'm going to have to be sure to check that interview out. She's a psychic tarot card reader, very beautiful reading. But one of the things she shared with me was that I was going to go on a trip, uh, late spring, early summer, and I would be very inspired. And we had already booked our vacation last week. So I knew that it was like going to, like something was going to happen. But honestly, like because of all the things I've been going through, I really let it go. However, the second night that I was there sitting in front of the fire, this beautiful, beautiful, magical course just like totally channeled through. And I mean, it was like one of these, this has never happened to me before, but it's literally like if you're standing at your dining room table and someone just comes and drops a box with like everything you need and all of the directions and like you can just take one glance at it and see how it's going to go. That's what it is. And they even gave me the name. It's called the Confidence Series. And this is going to be a six-week initiation, diving into working with our self-doubt, befriending that inner critic, um, healing. Every week there's going to be, like we're going to be covering a different area of life. There's going to be activations that are channeled through the Akashic Records. This is going to be a really beautiful container for you to come and share, to open yourself up, to be vulnerable, to um, engage with one another. I, I, I'm not going to talk about it too much here because we already have a long podcast to jump into, but um, be sure to check out next week's Soul Lesson. Um, well, it's a solo episode. We don't call them soul lessons anymore, but, um, anyway, I'm very excited about it. I honestly, again, this has never happened before. And I am, I'm, I'm like scared, excited. I'm terrified, excited actually, but this is going to be again, a small, beautiful container. There's going to, um, only be a limited number of seats. So make sure that you stay tuned Uh, The links will be coming out on social media probably by the end of this week. Um, And yeah, there will be more information that's kind of coming through. So this is going to be a course that is channeled through from the Akashic Records in collaboration with our guides. It's going to just, oh man, it's going to be such a beautiful initiation. The cool part is like, I'm going to be with you healing along right there with you, (laughs) diving deep into some of these really, yeah, these really difficult areas in our life and, um, and changing our perspective and of course, working with guides to really flip that around. So just be sure to check that out. Um, okay. 
So Katie Emma, such a beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, you'll hear more about how I know her in a little bit. So let me share her bio with you. She is an astrology teacher and the founder of Temple of Cosmic Astrology School. She's passionate about teaching students the skills to divine the language of the cosmos and to empower you to grow and evolve in alignment with your own sacred blueprint. Katie's work is quite incredible. She is really, I mean, girlfriend is a teacher for sure. And you'll hear it. Um, you'll hear it in this podcast. I mean, she's such a wealth of information. And if you love astrology and anyway, I'm going to stop talking so that we can dive in much love, much love. I will see you on the other side. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Soul Driven Podcast. This week we have such a fun discussion and interview. I am really pumped to jump in. We are welcoming to the show Katie Emma, astrology teacher and the founder of Temple of Cosmic Astrology School. Welcome, Katie. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. Um, a little bit of background on Katie. <laughs> Her and I have been emailing back and forth since I think 2020. I had emailed yeah. her, reached out about her school, and yeah, we she's been so kind answering all of my questions and being really patient with me. Um, but she recently did a workshop on midlife transits, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have you on the show. We have to talk about this. Because, of course, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me talk about a lot of the things that I've been going through. And if there's anything that I want to do, it's help. It's to help empower others who either haven't hit these transits in their life, who might be in them already, or who might be able to look back at their life and be like, oh, that's what was happening, you know, in, in this portion of my life. Whatever the case may be, this is such exciting information, and I'm so, I just can't wait to nerd out on it. So <laughs> before we dive in, uh, Katie, the question I ask all of my guests, what makes you soul-driven? Ooh, what makes me soul-driven? Well, look, I think being an astrologer, I would have to say the language of the cosmos, because for me, it is the foundation of really every aspect of my life, personally and professionally. Um, I think that, you know, with so much emphasis in my 10th house as well in my own natal chart, everything is constantly pushing me forwards towards, 
you know, um, growth and my evolutionary experience and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff that we're going to tap into today. Um, so, yeah, you know, for me, it really, you know, maybe it's cliched being an astrologer and saying that, but it really is astrology for me. <laughs> I love that. And, and just for folks who may not know, when you say like the cosmos, like what do you what do you mean specifically? I mean, the the tapestry and the, you know, the the language that is formed between the the planets through their alignments. Um, and maybe that sounds a bit woo and out there, but again, that's my language. It's the language that I've learned and that I try to, you know, <laughs> um, I guess sort of break down and, and hopefully simplify, especially like for the average person as well, who's maybe curious about astrology, but it seems a bit too you know, like, where do I begin? Um, but, you know, the the cosmos from, I think, this astrological perspective is definitely this, this sort of energy of, or this process of weaving, weaving together experience, evolution, perspectives. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I came to astrology, I was actually just telling a friend about this this morning when I was young, I think I was probably seven and I came across my mother's astrology book, which my mother is like a fundamental Christian and was pretty hardcore yeah. growing up. But she had this astrology book. And when I asked her about it, you know, she was just like, yeah, astrology just kind of, I don't know, acted like it was normal. And of course, myself being a Sag, when I started reading about, you know, the sun signs and these sorts of things, I mean, it was just like I had found some kind of holy grail. I've enjoyed it on and off my entire life. I always come back to astrology. So yes. I love that. I absolutely love that because I think it is, you know, you can, you can look at it in a woo sort of way, but really the way that I look at astrology is that it's a science, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Like, look, I'm definitely not a, <laughs> I don't like to think of myself as a woo astrologer. Um, you know, I really like to, you know, help people, um, you know, from a much more sort of psychological perspective um, and, you know, supporting you with your own self-development. You know, that's what I think astrology is a fantastic tool for. Um, you know, yes, there's woo aspects to it, of course. You know, I'm sure everyone has heard for the last week everyone talking about like the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, um, you know, it's probably one of the most woo type of transits you can have, but there's so much more to astrology than, um, you know, another portal or another 11-11 date or all of these kind of things. You know, astrology is much more complex and vast um, than those type of, you know, pop astrology type of entry points. Yeah. So you'll have to tell me because this is just like my own nerdy question, but I have heard so many astrologers talking about how amazing this Neptune-Jupiter transit was going to be and, oh, flowy, and I've just been getting my ass kicked. And, like, a lot of people that I know are in the same boat. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm sinking underwater. What is what is happening? Why are, why are some of us, like, experiencing the opposite of that? Um. I don't think that it's that you're necessarily experiencing the opposite. I think that it's actually you're experiencing the truth of it because it's not this kind of love and light type of transit that has kind of, you know, I'm sure with the best of intentions of being put out there. But, you know, Neptune is 
illusions, delusion. It can, you know, be related even to our mental health. It's in Pisces. And so astrologically, you know, Neptune has an affinity or it's ruled in modern astrology um, by Pisces. In traditional astrology, Pisces is ruled by Jupiter. And that's what made this particular transit so um, powerful because, both the rulers of Pisces were meeting, um, you know, and Jupiter and Neptune meet every 13 years, but in each consecutive sign. So the last time that we had them meet together in, in Pisces was in the middle of the 1800s. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of a big deal. But, you know, it's not, um, it's definitely not all love and light. Like I said, it's going to, you know, if Pisces is the last sign, you know, Pisces is transition. Pisces is the end. And so for a lot of us, this is a, a, a death of something within ourselves. And to understand what that may be for you, you know, you would look to your own Pisces house. You know, in this example, you would, of course, like if we get super nerdy, you would look for 23 degrees Pisces in your chart. Um, you know, for me, it's my first house. Um, you know, for for you, I think it's your fifth house. We'll look at your chart a bit Eight. later. Yeah. Eight. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the eighth house is the house of, of, <laughs> of death and endings and transformations and all that kind of stuff. So I can imagine this has been quite immense for you and then it's also been squaring your natal Neptune and all the juicy, like, midlife stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, but for anyone listening, like, that has been just feeling pretty off, um, you know, in April as these transits were exacting, um, I think that you're feeling right on schedule with what you should be feeling and it's not pleasant, but it is, it is transitioning you into this new, um, you know, space, this new, um, it's like a bridging sort of energy is how I would see it. To me, Pisces is this bridging space, you know, it's the end, but it's also the the beginning, this 29 degree Pisces zero Aries point. Um, so yeah, I've been feeling it too. It definitely wasn't all, all um rainbows for me that's for sure <laughs> yeah but not if it's in your first house but I, I love what you shared because it definitely has been and when I was recording last week's episode I think I can't remember um but I I spoke on it a little bit and yeah it, it feels it feels like it's been like I've been going through a death and everything's been like showing me like oh you know there's rebirth and all of that. And, and so it's not this overly negative thing, but man, it has, it been painful. Like there have been a couple of days and, and it's the type of pain that's not, it's so hard to articulate, you yeah. know what I mean? And yep. so, because it's not like overtly, I mean, like there were a couple of things that were overt that happened or some older things that have been coming up, but overall, it's just been this energy that's been like what get off me <laughs> completely completely you know because I feel like you know I'm like was my answer just then even you know succinct <laughs> because trying to put it into into words is is not easy because it's a feeling it's a process with Pisces you know it's not like a Gemini transit where we can be like really kind of clear and concise around what we're experiencing it's like with Jupiter and Pisces oh, sorry Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces we have been dragged down into the very depths of 
ourselves. And so the house that you have this occurring in will show you an area of your life where maybe you feel like you've hit a wall, like where you feel like you cannot keep going um, the way that you were going on that sort of trajectory. It's the sort of alignment that is rerouting you, but it happens in such a way, like it's so foggy and mystical, which can be beautiful, right? And I think that's where a lot of astrologers talk about, you know, the manifestation and all of these kind of things. And yes, <laughs> but is your manifestation taking into account, you know, your trauma or the the systems that you find yourself in or all of these types of things, you know? Um, you know, it's not just as simple as wishing for a better life or a better existence. Um, you know, astrology certainly doesn't work that way. No, definitely not. And I, I mean... Yeah, I'm 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 grateful for your explanation. I think that Pisces in and of itself is difficult to explain because it is there is so much that is is just I don't know. And when it comes to Neptune, I like the word murky is what I always think of when yeah. I think about oh, yeah. Neptunian energy. You know, it's just murky. <laughs> yeah. You're wading through, you don't know what you're wading in, you don't know yeah. where you're at, you don't, you know. And that can be like, you know, really beautiful, spiritual, uh, that, that can, yeah. But, um, but yeah, this, this has not been that. So I'm glad to know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one other thing too, because this sort of ties into what we're going to speak about later is that we need to remember that Neptune spends 14 years in each sign. And so wherever you have Neptune transiting in your life is really important because Neptune will not cover every single house of your chart unless you live to be like 148, I think. <laughs> if you do, good luck to you. Um, <laughs> for most of us, we experience Neptune moving through, you know, maybe like five, five houses of our chart, maybe six. Um, and so the those houses then are sort of going through their own sort of I guess we could call it like a spiritual initiation in this life. And so maybe the, the Neptune transits, for example, that I have um, are completely different to the ones that you have. You know, we can actually see that, you know, Pisces view is your eighth house. For me, it's my first house. And so neither you or I will ever have the reverse of that because we're just not going to live long enough, right? So we probably have a lot to teach each other about Neptune because we're experiencing it from those opposite perspectives. Um and this murkiness is kind of present in an area of your chart, again, by every 14 years, a, a change of house. Um, it's kind of like an ongoing murkiness. And so it's not the kind of murkiness that you wake up every day and you go, oh, my God, like curse that Neptune in my second house or something like that. But it's kind of like this ongoing permeating undercurrent of confusion and discomfort and also really high beautiful moments of you know feeling connected to a greater source through the channel of that house in your chart um but it's a big process you know um and this jupiter neptune conjunction is is much bigger than just the few days that that we experienced it you know it's seeding a whole new cycle for 12 years and then a whole other cycle on top of that for another 166 years. So it's big stuff. Yeah. Well, it lasts about like a month, right? Yeah. It's kind of longer, to be honest. Like it's exact for about two weeks, but we we need to look at orbs to understand, you know, um, <laughs> You know, and this is kind of contested between different astrologers, but I think with <laughs> transits, especially the outer planets, 
because they're so slow moving, you want to keep the orb to about two degrees or less, um, unless you want to suffer <laughs> and add a few more years on top of those transits. You're, if you want to, you can. But I usually say that about, you know, these types of transits, um, you know, Jupiter-Neptune, for example, is, is only um, for a few months. But if we were talking like, I don't know, um, if Pluto was coming up to your sun, for example, um, that's about a two-year transit of Pluto sitting on your sun. So, yeah, you know, these are big process um, transits when we're talking about the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Yeah, yeah, the big ones, the big ones are the big ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I love that we we dove into that and I love that you shared. It's really interesting then because it feels like really we experience Neptune then in only a particular part of our chart you yeah. know, during our lifetime. And so there's something really important for us to learn in our lifetime from those, those transits. So I'm going to so have to go geek out on like, yeah, yeah looking at, at when it entered different houses, like at what ages I was at and those sorts of things and just see if I can uh, connect any dots. I love, yeah. I, I love that. That's really fun. It's going to keep you busy for a while. Same as Pluto, you know, <laughs> Neptune and Pluto are the two planets that um, only move about halfway through our chart through throughout our life. So those two planets um, have such an important role uh, from an evolutionary perspective in your soul's evolution. I guess even from the perspective of like being soul driven, maybe your Neptune and Pluto um, transits and then the aspects that those transits make in the rest of your chart are like really key points along the way, along the journey of um understanding maybe to the listeners like what makes you soul driven um i would definitely look to neptune and pluto transits to understand a little bit more about that yeah yeah i love that um okay so before we dive into transits um i want to lay a little bit of a, a foundation um first i would love for you to just share a bit about your background and kind of what brought you to astrology so that folks have a bit of a chance to get to know you a little bit more. And of course, yeah, we'll bebop back and forth um, in that space. But yeah, if you could just share with us a little bit before we get before we get lost in the transits. Right? I was about to say, I'm like, I love that we already just had like a 10 minute like dive into the transits before I've even told anyone like anything about myself. <laughs> um, so I have been... Um, like yourself, Anna, actually, and, and what you shared, you know, I was really young when I started to get into astrology. I, I think I was maybe nine. My mum also had an astrology book. Actually, it was an astrology sex book. So nice. <laughs> showing the, the sign of my Pluto in Scorpio generation right there. Um, but I was fascinated. I was like, I'm an Aquarius. Like, this sounds cool. I need to know more about this. Um, and it kind of just set me on this lifelong passion it was always like my special interest um it's always what I was kind of doing in the background um I started collecting books from about that age I think every Christmas and birthday I was always requesting something on astrology and I was always the kid you know probably like most of the listeners or even other speakers that you've had on the podcast before where the kids with like you know all the crystals in our pockets and you know dragging our parents into the local new age store and, and that kind of stuff like I always just had such a a pull to those experiences. And 
I have a Pisces ascendant, so Neptune is my chart ruler. So, um, you know, that that murkiness, but also that kind of lightness that can come from, from Neptune has always been very, very present for me. Um, so, yeah, I've been teaching astrology classes now for, gosh, maybe about 10 years I've been teaching. Um, mm-hmm. I started my, my practice of, you know, doing readings and things like that in my early 20s. It really, it's just been a my whole life kind of process for me, you know, like I definitely, you know, I had many years of working corporate, (laughs) miserable jobs, hated everything that I was doing and astrology was my constant. And I feel really grateful and blessed that I was able to find a way to make my, my hobby, I guess, into my life's work. Um, You know, not everybody has that, that opportunity to, to do that. And it's something every day I'm grateful for that I get to sit down and have these kind of amazing conversations like I am with you and every week to sit with my students and dive into their charts. I'm like, what is life? What is this Neptunian life that I'm living, right? <laughs> That's awesome. It's fascinating to me whenever I feel like whenever I meet an Aquarius astrologer that it's like their lifelong thing, you know, like yeah. they're not like, half in ever. It's like they are core. They have been core since like like they found it. Like I I feel like Aquarius for whatever reason, and maybe, you know, um, seems to really latch on to astrology. I feel like even more so than any of the other signs. I don't know why that is. That's just my own little nerdy, always paying attention to what people's signs are type. Yeah experiment in my head <laughs> well I think because we're ruled by Uranus in in modern astrology um and you know Uranus has an affinity with astrology and even you know um the internet and technology and these kind of things and so I think for Aquarians you know again I can't speak for all of them I can speak for myself um or even you know if you have I would say an Aquarius rising or moon like in in your big three that there's just such a natural affinity for astrology, because I think it does bring in that more sort of logical, almost like you said earlier, like scientific, mathematical perspective, that it really sort of fits with how our minds work. You know, it's um, it's not too woo. Um, and that's what I love about it. You know, I love that I can just sit down and do all the calculations and I can track all the planets and everything just sort of drops into alignment and it just feels like magic to me. Um and yeah, like I said, it's been a lifelong uh, passion and, and hobby. Yeah. I have the utmost respect for astrology and I very much view it as a science, as one of those, as one of those fields that are never, never be completely understood. You know, like yeah. you'll never know everything, right? There's always more, always more. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, I'd love to like transition, <laughs> nerd. Into yes. transits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but again, I, I kind of want to lay a little bit of foundation here because I, I'm not sure how much my listeners are into astrology or how much, you know, like ultra technical things that they would really understand. So if you could maybe just start off by kind of um, explaining what transits are. Yeah. So, you know, to understand what transits are, I think we actually just need to touch on first, like what the birth chart is. Okay, and so perfect. our natal our natal birth chart is a a snapshot of the cosmos, of the skies, at that moment that you took your first breath. And this is why the time in astrology is is imperative, because you know, um, 
For example, the ascendant shifts, you know, degrees um, every every few minutes. And so even a couple of minutes difference in your birth time can actually shift um, the degrees of your chart. And this becomes really important when we really nerd out into astrology and get into like, say, progressions, for example, you know, every minute counts. However, this, this blueprint, this snapshot of your chart, you know, it is just a moment, you know, there is another breath and another breath again after that. And this shows the constant flow and the movement of the heavens, of the planets. Um, and so it's really important to then understand that the, you know, the planets are always moving um, and that they're always going to be making these aspects back to that moment in time when you were born. And so this is how we start to understand astrology, you know, again, from more like an everyday perspective of like, what am I feeling today? What bigger cycles am I going through? Um, you know, again, more evolutionary. So talking about like Neptune and Pluto and sort of being soul driven. Um, and yeah, the, the transits are, you know, we're able to kind of track them, um, you know, every moment. They're, they're always changing signs and each planet spends a different amount of time in, in all the signs and that's why astrology becomes quite complicated. And I think people sort of, they get curious about it. And then they see, you know, every planet has the different time span and, you know, there's 12 signs and then everything becomes timesed by like 144. And it's just like, it's too much. Um, but people who are super nerdy like that, like me, um, you know, we, we sort of take the time to break that down. And, and again, that's why I love teaching and, and helping people kind of see that, it is much more simple than maybe how it looks on paper. I hope that wasn't too convoluted. That could have been a bit convoluted. I'm no, you're fine. Confused. You're fine. So just um, to clarify, the transits are just kind of how the planets are moving across the chart yeah. and how they yeah. correlate to our what planet, you know, where they were located when we were born, correct? Yeah, exactly. And then how they, like the relationship between other, you know, other planets and those sorts of things, right? Yeah, and that relationship comes through the aspects then. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, you know, and I think that this is often a step that people sort of skip when they, they get into astrology, and especially now because it's so much more popular and you can just like jump on Instagram or YouTube and, and find all of these, you know, readings every day and week and, and things like that but you know it's 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 no good being like oh you know mars is tr you know on my moon this week for example if you don't know what a conjunction means or if you don't know what a trine is because the the aspect is what defines that transit in alignment with your natal placement and so yeah, it's very easy to start talking, you know, all the transits and getting really <laughs> lost in that. But if you don't understand like what that transit is actually bringing to you, like bringing to the table, um, you're kind of missing the point. And so it's so important to, I think, to follow like, you know, again, this is why I love astrology is because there's a framework, there's steps, there's a foundation that's been built. Like you can't just jump right in. Um, and I mean, you can, but you're not going to be, you know, um, a very concise or practiced astrologer, um, you know, and interpretation is everything. You know, if you don't know how to interpret the chart, you're missing the point, you know. And so I think that aspects is really that bridge um, between the natal and, and those transits. So true. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into midlife transits. 
Mm-hmm. Now, we were kind of chatting before about how you decided to throw in Jupiter return as kind of like the first one. Um, but yeah, I would I would love for you to so Jupiter return, um, this happens in like mid-30s. And yeah. yeah, if you could share with us about that one. Yeah, sure. So the reason that I, I wanted to touch on on Jupiter transit is because, uh, sorry, Jupiter return, <laughs> is because um, the, the actual midlife transits that come in in our later 30s and, and early 40s, you know, it's quite an intense period of time. And so I want to sort of show people that between the intensity of like our Saturn return at 29 or 30, when everything kind of, well, falls to shit a little bit, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of the biggest initiations that we have into who we are and into adulthood. It's where we really start to take responsibility for ourselves and our life and our choices. And then, you know, you won't really see a lot sort of mentioned. It sort of feels like the 30s is this kind of like barren landscape of like there's not really these kind of epic kind of transits but you know the the Jupiter return and the the north node the nodal return um they they occur at 36 and 37 they are really important in laying the foundation um prior to then some of the the more intense <laughs> transits that we're going to discuss today so yeah for those of you listening you know if you are around um 35 at the moment you're about to start going through your Jupiter return um, again, a lot of listeners may be looking back and going, oh, yeah, that that's what happened 10 years ago. Um, and for some of you, it may be really, you know, you might be in your early 20s and it's quite um, a time away. But I think that what is so brilliant about astrology is that it can just help us see what is coming, not from like a trying to predict the future space. I think that's really redundant. <laughs> um, but from knowing, um, you know, for I don't know, just for having your toolkit, for having everything like, you know, knowing what you're potentially going to be moving through and experiencing um, and how you can better navigate that. Like you can't control the experiences or the outcomes of what these transits may bring up for you. But knowing that, oh, you know, I'm going through this at the moment, it kind of helps make sense of things in our lives that often don't make a lot of sense at all. Um, and so that's why I wanted to kind of go back to Jupiter um, return. And it's a beautiful transit, um, but it's also one that has a lot of misinformation. So I wanted to also kind of clear that up tonight. But Anna, do you remember yours, anything that kind of came up with your Jupiter return? I think that uh, that was actually when I started my second business, which was the business that was... Um, you know, the very first thing that I did that was actually connected to my purpose in this lifetime, it was a retail business. And, um, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I worked at it two years and unfortunately we were just ahead of our time in regards to what we were trying to do. Um, but I was thinking about this earlier in regards to the whole, you know, that, the Jupiter return being this, this time of, you know, like when we've got our mojo, when things are working so well for us, when we've got all of this luck, you know, when things are just really flowing and the mere fact that I was able to do what I did in that business is just mind blowing to me. I look back at it now and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And 
how fast things manifested for me in that time of my life. Um, it's when I met my partner, uh, so many different things happened. So yeah, it was honestly a, a really, uh, my, my Pluto square Pluto actually kind of kicked in, I think, you know, towards the end of that. Um, yeah. but it was, it was a beautiful time of my life. And I, I have a question. So I, I, cause I, I just finished going through my nodal return. I think it ended, um, because the, the Sagittarius, no, 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 never mind. I'm all mixed up. Okay. How is it that, because I feel like there's this kind of age range, right, for a yep. lot of these transits. So could it be someone who's even younger than and 35, like, not or older? For, not for the Jupiter return. So okay. that occurs every 12 years. Um, and so I'll just touch on that quickly before we we jump onto the, onto the next with those timelines. Um, and, and what I wanted to say with the Jupiter return with what you shared is like, it is, it's what you shared is like, so on point with like a Jupiter return, you know, it's absolutely this time of a lot of growth and opportunities, but what tends to happen is again, this sort of like false positivity that is often put into, <laughs> you know, what I kind of call like cookbook style astrology books you know you open up and it says like a sentence or two about you know Jupiter in the 12th house or something like this um but the thing is yes Jupiter brings us opportunity he can bring us doorways that are you know they're not necessarily open but they're unlocked and that's what you need to remember that not everything is just going to necessarily fall on your lap and I think that that's where people get disappointed with this transit um, and I see it a lot at the moment, you know, because people who have their Jupiter in Pisces, so those that were born, I think, around 1986, maybe early 87, um, they're going through their Jupiter return right now. And I, and I see a lot just like in astrology groups and forums and stuff like that of people saying like, you know, it's been such a terrible time for me. And I think, well, of course, because it's coinciding with this Jupiter conjunct Neptune that we just had, like that's not your average Jupiter return. And so when we speak, especially, you know, everything that Anna and I are going to talk about um, over this hour or so, you know, you need to remember that we're speaking generally and that you have to apply everything to your own chart because you may not just have your Jupiter in Pisces, for example, like you may have I don't know, your Mars there, for example. And so you're also experiencing Jupiter conjunct Mars, and that's going to completely change the flavor or the perspective or the experience of that particular return. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to catch that from the beginning that, you know, it is absolutely these, these doorways opening. It's why I included it in the midlife transits, because I see it as the beginning point of our, our really our whole life changing you know, because we, we by our mid-30s, we really sort of step into ourselves, right? We've sort of taken a couple of years to pick up the pieces post-Saturn return. Um, you know, we're kind of just like, okay, maybe my life looks completely different now than I thought it would when I was, you know, in college or something. Um, but by the time we get to the Jupiter return where, you know, like you, Anna, you sort of stepped into this, this business, this opportunity that came in and something that you may not necessarily be doing it as much right now, but it's so foundational to what, what you are doing this minute. Um, and that is the sort of overall gist of the Jupiter return, that it's going to bring you these opportunities that are really laying a foundation 
um, for really the next 12 to 15 years of your life. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. And just just for anyone who who might not know, when we when we say Jupiter return, we mean Jupiter returning to where it was at when you were born, correct? Good point, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely good to interject that there. So, you know, each planet, um, you're not um, – most of the time, each planet, at least up until Saturn, will have a return. And that is exactly like Anna said, that the planet will come back all the way around the, the zodiac and come back to where it was when you were born. Now, with Uranus, it doesn't actually return until you are 84 years old. It takes 84 years to do one transit. Neptune and Pluto, like I said earlier, will never do a full rotation. So the returns are sort of much more a a personal planet sort of thing rather than a transpersonal or evolutionary transit. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense in regards to Jupiter and and the return. So it it does lay a foundation then for folks, like with what is coming later with with the midlife transits. Is that correct? Like, it's kind of like maybe, a. does it set the stage? Does it like tease in or? Um, I think that it's not really in the sense of like setting the stage for those later midlife transits because the midlife transits are more about, um, how can I put it? Like your, it takes you a lot, maybe like, for example, Pluto square Pluto is really about like, a lot of repressed memories and a lot of your past and things like this that are kind of coming up full circle. You know, a lot of, you know, Pluto can sometimes be some of our our traumas, our challenges, and we're sort of having to face them. Um, So it's more about um, both the North Node return at at 37 and the Jupiter return, I think, offer us a, um, a peak point in our life that Whatever it is that we have been working towards, what we want to, um, I don't necessarily want to say like achieve, you know, because it's not all about like striving and hustling or any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, it just tends to be a time in one's life that things that you've been working towards tend to, to come into being at this time, you know. So it's like if you've been wanting to write a book, it's like often for people these kind of things happen, you know. There's this sort of like energy of like, coming full circle, receiving accolades, like having that next step up, that leg up into your career, or maybe it's um, more relationship orientated. Again, it really depends on the house that it's in. You know, it's, um, again, it's not this kind of, it's not always career related. And I think we have a tendency (laughs) to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It always has to be something like in a more sort of 10th house space when we may not be having a 10th house transit. So it's going to have a completely different flavor. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Okay, so I mean, and and correct me if I'm wrong. The way that I look at the midlife transits, kind of overall, is that if we're not on our soul path, they're gonna put us there. They're gonna give us opportunities to connect. Not that everyone takes that. You know, not everyone says yes. Um, but it feels like to me that that's a lot of what they're about is that kind of re- reintroduction to what it is that we really want to be doing in this lifetime. But I know that that's kind of a generalization, but do you kind of, I mean, does that make sense? 
It does. And I think, you know, like, yes, it's a generalization, but we're speaking to a lot of people right now. So it has yeah. to be generalized too. Um, but it is definitely a period of time of um, realignment and adjustment. Um, and there's lots of different transits throughout our life that have these come in. And a lot of them are on a more personal level. You know, I could be going through a particular transit randomly at like <clears throat> excuse me at age like 25 or something but you have that same transit and when you're like 35 for example but the midlife transits are so important because it's something that we all move through at this age you know the way that those outer planets attract it puts us through these initiations you know just like the Saturn return happens for all of us at 29 to 30 so do these midlife transits all happen in succession in sort of the last year of our 30s um, and up to about 35 and all paving the way then for the Chiron return at age 51. But that could be like a whole other podcast on the Chiron return. So <laughs> I don't want to overwhelm people today, but, you know, it's it's a, it's a definitely a succession of um, sort of like you said, Anna, like this sort of paving the way, um, you know, this opportunity for realignment, reassessment, almost like all the sort of retrograde words that you tend to think of, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a big, big kind of period in time, which is why I think it's so important to, to know about these transits. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had known about them before I was like neck deep. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would have had a lot more patience and compassion for myself. Fortunately, like my psychotherapist, um, also she's like, you know, a dabbling astrologer, and so she 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 was the one who alerted me to, um, yeah, to to a Pluto sitting on my south node. Okay, so let's let's dive in. So first one, Pluto squared Pluto. It's like yes. a big one. Yes. This is a big one. And so this one happens um, because Pluto does not have like a, I, I don't know, to explain it the most simply without getting complicated astrology lingo, like it doesn't have like a, I guess we could say like a straightforward orbit. You know, he spends a different amount of time in different signs. So because of that, um, depending on what Pluto generation and sign you're part of, the Pluto return can happen anywhere between like, I don't know, like mid thirties up until like your early sixties. And so we've been going through a process where people have been having it much earlier, but now we are in a process of each generation is having it a little bit later. So if you were born in like the seventies the and early eighties, you would have your Pluto in Libra. And so you've been going through your Pluto square. I think most people had it at around 38 or 39 um, again, you have to look at the degrees in your chart to see when it exacts for you. Um, but yeah, I think for you, Anna, it would have been what, about 30, 39? I think your Pluto's 24 degrees. So Pluto's at 28 now. So this would have happened a few years ago for you. You're definitely well out of Pluto, um, Pluto square Pluto. Yeah, it's um, what I first learned about it was like in in 2020 earlier part of 2020 yeah that's when you would have been deep into it because like the saturn pluto conjunction happened at 22 capricorn um and that's sort of that two degree orb that would have been beginning and building for you that's also your south node degree i think um and yeah so it, it's sort of wrapping up um it would have been wrapping up around a little bit later into 2020 early 2021 because it had kind of you know 
with the slower moving planets, because of the retrogrades, they spend a lot of time around the same little portion of degrees, you know. So this is why these transits often last for about two years because, like, Pluto finally hits the degree, for example, of, of a planet and then he'll retrograde back over it for another hit and then he comes forward again. So it's like we always have, like, three hits of, of Pluto transits and that's why it's a lot <laughs> to go through. Um but yeah, so the Pluto in Libra generation um, has just gone through this or will be going through this if your Pluto is like at 28 or 29 degrees of Libra, you are in the midst of it now. Um, where for listeners who have Pluto in Scorpio, like part of my generation, um, we're going to have this a little bit later. So when I did the calculations for myself, I'm born in 88. Um, for me, it won't happen until I'm 41. So it's actually going to happen in the midst of me already having other midlife transits that come at that time. So I'm like, of course it all has to happen. Like there's not even any space for me. I'm like, great, this is going to be a good time. <laughs> I don't know. I might kind of want to knock it all out in the span of a couple of years, just nip it in the bud because, yeah. I mean, yeah, versus this like extended yeah. drawn out process that it can yeah. feel like. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to sort of, so, you know, like what is Pluto square Pluto? Cause people are probably like, what are they talking about? <laughs> so Pluto square Pluto is a period um, of your life where a lot of themes of, you know, personal power, which can come out of course, through power struggles often come up. Um, it's definitely a time of transformation. Um, it is, like I said earlier, I think I brought up repressed memories often come up with this um it, it'll feel like a um you know like a button being pushed to the themes of your natal pluto so when we have a square this is why understanding the aspects is so important you know a square is a 90 degree angle that is being formed in the chart and if we think about a square you know it's like if we think of the two corners that are meeting you know they're not opposite each other so they're, they're not able to find balance but they're kind of meeting in this uncomfortable like you know it's like pushing and grinding I always think of a square as like grinding gears a little bit yeah and sort of being squished and pushed in between them and that's what makes this transit so challenging is like um you know a square is tough at any time but it's deeply transformative it's a very dynamic energy but when it's Pluto and Pluto we're playing it's the big guns now you know and so it's going to bring up like a lot of um your trauma. I mean, trauma, it's such a buzzword that often gets thrown around these days, but it really will bring a lot to the surface around anything that you have repressed. This is even why a lot of times in our late 30s or early 40s, people can suddenly start having like flashbacks to maybe things that happened in their childhood that they kind of repressed and pushed down, you know, some people can have those types of experiences. And so I always say to my clients, my students, if you are coming up to your, you know, your Pluto, square Pluto, um, work with a psychotherapist. I mean, I say that to anyone at any time anyway, <laughs> but it's such a great time to, you know, um, have somebody impartial to be holding space for you. Um, you know, checking in with an astrologer can also be helpful, but remember an astrologer is not a mental health professional. They can just kind of give you the dates, the times, the outlay, again, can hold space to listen and, and work with you. But um, working with a therapist with these midlife transits is so important. And what I love about astrology with therapy 
is that imagine that you are starting to go through a lot of stuff. You're feeling all of this repressed stuff and maybe childhood stuff, or maybe it's bringing up a lot of family friction and challenges and it feels like a part of your life is crumbling, collapsing. You know, imagine going to a therapist but knowing that you're going through this transit and imagine your natal Pluto is, um, I don't know, for example, in your ninth house and transit Pluto is moving through your 12th house. This is going to be stimulating, you know, um, religion, philosophies, belief systems, as well as your mental health, um, these types of things. That's very generalized. But imagine being able to go to therapy knowing and being able to pinpoint just a little bit more of what is actually being triggered, you know, instead of sometimes sitting on the couch and being like, well, what am I going to talk about today? Astrology can kind of give you some of the core of what is actually coming up. It takes less time to dig into that with a therapist if you're already aware of like, oh, that's what's going on at this time. Um, and that's something that I think astrology can work beautifully um, alongside different um, types of therapy work. Completely agree. Yes, I was working with a psychotherapist through that time. And I also did about four months of hypnotherapy. Um, and and my, my psychotherapist really specialized in inner child work. That yeah. was just enormously helpful for me because there yeah. was so much coming up around, around those younger years and around the you know, needing to reparent, all of those things really coming yep. front and center with the reality of what my childhood was versus what I wanted to believe that it was. Yes. Um, and it was painful. And I'm, I, I second that wholeheartedly that being able to work with someone who can truly hold space for you in that way, I just think is huge. You know, those are practices that I'll use for the rest of my life that I learned through exactly. that their yeah. practices I share with clients now. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that kind of work is work that you'll, you know, uh, as we say on this podcast, when you invest in yourself, the world benefits. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. And everyone, especially my partner is grateful that I, <laughs> right. you know, invested in those things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's such a great time for that because this is a, it's a heavy hitting transit. You know, it's definitely one that we feel like, because it's the first midlife transit to come post sort of the high, I guess you could say, of the Jupiter return and, and also the nodal return, which I didn't touch on. But the nodal return happens at 37. The nodes in astrology are points of destiny, you know, past and future colliding, where you are moving forwards in, in your life, you know, what you're curious about, maybe what you're a little bit afraid to step into because maybe you're hanging out in your south node a little bit more, which is very normal human behaviour to want to be more sort of, you know, safe and in our comfort zones. But we know sometimes we need to have a little push. And so the nodal return um, is definitely a period of time where everything will just it feels aligned, you know, it's like, again, it's sort of that same energy I spoke of, of everything just starts to, you know, not only is the doorway unlocked, but you can move forward through it now. And so the Pluto square Pluto can be really confronting because it's kind of like, I thought I had everything together. I thought I was on top of the world. I thought everything was flowing. I'm doing really well. And then Pluto square Pluto comes along and it's like, hey, How's it going? <laughs> Come sit on the therapist couch with me and talk this stuff out. Talk all this stuff out that you thought you could kind of just, you know, cruise on past and not confront in this lifetime. And by being able to do this, um, 
it is rewarding, but I also just want to say to people, like, you don't have to kind of fake your way through that either. Like, it's not going to feel rewarding during the process, you know. It's going to be hard work um, and it's okay to acknowledge the hard work in that. You know, we don't, again, have to always sort of like be like, oh, you know, it's a reward and I'm growing and it's amazing and it's a spiritual experience. It's like it's all those things, but it sucks. And it sucks okay. so hard. <laughs> it sucks so hard. Um <laughs> And I think just that acknowledgement is so important because I think that like even being able to say that and just kind of laugh and just sort of let it go a little bit, it's like, yeah, it does suck. And you know what? Like I'm still here, you know, and I'm I'm working through it and I'm doing what I can. And, you know, like you said, like, you know, your partner is grateful for it. You know, <laughs> um, I'm sure every person's partner who is going through same things is grateful for it. And, um, yeah, it's just a very important time of um confronting I think it's overall I would say it's like a real confronting phase with your psyche um a lot of a lot of stuff can come up and like I said yes it can be a lot of traumas from early in life but we don't want to get too stuck in you know putting everything into like a a trauma basket either um but it's also acknowledging things that maybe we didn't see as traumatic but now you know in our early 40s we kind of go damn, that was messed up. (laughs) I know why that messed me up now, you know, and we can let that go. You know, Pluto is um, the energy of regeneration. And and so in order to, you know, move forward and to grow and evolve from this point on your soul's evolution, it's kind of like everything needs to be released and fertilised in order for you to grow into this new phase. And, you know, you're growing and, and moving closer towards what I call the the crone phase, which I think comes around the the Chiron return. And and like I said, I didn't want to go too deep into like post 50 (laughs) tonight. Um, But again, they're all linked. You know, I I find it hard to not talk about everything all at once because you can't talk about one thing in astrology without it linking to something else, you know. Um, But the Pluto square Pluto is such an important stepping stone into maturity, Um, And I think it's spiritual maturity um, as well as psychological maturity as well. You know, it's often, you know, it's, it's no surprise that it tends to be a time where even the most resistant to facing themselves or to therapy or anything like that tend to start to actually go to therapy at that time. Um, And yeah, like I said, a psychotherapist will be an absolute godsend during this period. Yeah, fully agree. I think the word confronting is is really descriptive and certainly was for me and transformative. I mean, the two years that I went through it, my life is completely different now. And I mean, even from when I first started this podcast, you know, I had my marketing agency that was my primary focus. I'd had that for over a decade um, into... <laughs> being a spiritual guide now. And I mean, that was just like, no, (laughs) I had no idea, but I was headed in this direction. But, you know, there were, there were plans laid out for me and for me anyway, in particular, Pluto wasn't letting me out of it without, without saying yes, you know, and and I could either surrender or I could fight. And I knew that I talk a lot on this podcast about the faded path versus the soul path, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think in life when we're all offered these opportunities, if we're not already on our soul path and doing our soul work, 
then it's like you're going to be invited over to the other path, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, you might be booted, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Uh, you may not have a choice. It just kind of depends on who you are and how much you want to fight. But yeah. And I think it depends too on like, again, that awareness, you know, I think that, you know, because these transits happen to each of us at these time periods, there is a multitude of ways that they can manifest right because that's going to be dependent on every single thing that you have done prior to that point and choices that you have made along the way um these types of transits will then kind of bring up certain things or sort of exacerbate things but it's always in alignment with these sort of broader paths that you speak of um but you know there's there's a reason these are called the midlife transits right because you know what do we think (laughs) of when we think of like a midlife transit we think usually of like what um, a bald dude in a sports car, like with his cap on backwards or something, right? I don't know. I'm trying to think of something like super kind of with cheesy, a 19 year old girlfriend, <laughs> right? Exactly. And there's a reason for that because we're suddenly we're confronted with like our psyche. Hey, hello, face your shit. And most people go, <laughs> no. And, you know, they kind of regress, you know, and they go back to, you know, their youth in a way because they're so afraid of facing their growth you know, because Pluto rules our soul evolution. And so that, you know, if you are not in a space in your life where like you want to face or experience or explore any of those things and you don't have to, right? Like we're not all on the same, you know, trajectory. Like there's plenty of people that are just, you know, have no interest in all the amazing things that we talk about here on this podcast every week. Um, But that's okay, you know, Um, but you know, these transits will definitely hit differently for, for everybody dependent on the awareness that they have of, of themselves as they move through these cycles. And wherever you're at is absolutely where you were supposed to be along this space as well. Like there's nothing that you really have to do or prepare. You know, that's something important too because we don't want to use astrology to a point that we are then trying to control what happens. Um, that defeats the purpose of a Pluto square Pluto. There's no such thing as control. And like, if you were trying to control, like that's sort of what I meant before with the control issues, um, is that the more that you were trying to control and dictate things, the more you were going to find yourself left behind in life, in whatever capacity. And again, this will be shown for you personally in whatever houses are being activated by this. And so again, that'll be different for all of us. Um, but it's definitely a period of time where I think we tend to, yeah, we're either open to the growth and the evolution that comes with stepping into our forties and beyond, or we're not, (laughs) and we're going to make choices that maybe feel good or easy or fun and that that's okay too. But there's also consequences for those things, you know, um, and those consequences, again, all come down to the, the personal natal chart. Yeah. So I'd love to move into the Uranus, opposing Uranus, Um, because honestly, like when I think about, so I had gotten a hold of, um, I think towards the end of my Pluto squared Pluto, I had gotten a hold of um, Barbara Hand Cloud's uh, Astrology and the Rise of the Kundalini, and I was just like, holy shit, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like now I've got this Uranus opposition coming. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I guess like 
Yeah. So this is when Uranus is like on the very opposite side of where it was at when you were born. Um, yeah. Just so it's usually throw around. it easy. But whenever yeah. I think of the the guy in the Corvette, honestly, I more so think of like the Uranus opposition. Oh, definitely. But definitely. Oh, but I think all of them, and you'll see why um, they all play into that. But yeah, like my first thought is usually Uranus opposite Uranus too with the, with that particular imagery. Um, and so we, you know, if if Uranus takes eighty four years to do one rotation, then at age forty two is, uh, you know, give or take a few months, um, is when we have this alignment. And so Uranus is the planet of, you know, awakening, um, rebellion, um, genius, insights, um, disruption. It's the disruptor. And so when Uranus is opposing itself, we suddenly feel extremely (laughs) hemmed in and frustrated by our life if things aren't um, giving us space to explore life again you know this is often a time you know if people have had maybe maybe you had children in your early 20s you know this could coincide with maybe your children are just beginning college and you're maybe um able to you know start to sort of not have to be an everyday constant parent anymore right and that's going to completely change your daily life your routine all of these things you know um it doesn't always have to be negative things from these midlife transits either I think that's something important to touch on here um but the Uranus opposite Uranus is a time where you are going to be seeking um it's kind of like freedom at all costs <laughs> and that again life will be bringing you opportunity and experience to be thrown into this whether you want to or not I kind of think of this transit as like almost like a, what, an 18-month to two-year eclipse <laughs> kind of vibe. Um, so, you know, it's the sort of thing where like a lot of things can kind of be, you know, come in and come out of your life very quickly. You know, you think you have a grasp on something and then the next moment it's gone. You know, maybe you thought you were in a happy relationship, but, you know, your partner decides that they want to leave, you know, for example, and your whole world is turned upside down. You know, I'm trying to think of really kind of sort of, average kind of things that tend to happen at this time um again it really depends on on what areas of your chart um it feels like the the uranus opposition in particular i really see it associated um as well as like the second saturn return which is a whole different discussion but like these two big places in life are huge for couples getting divorced you know it's just kind of like um and I know like in, in, um, in Barbara's book, she talked about, you know, for women, it's about learning how to use your voice. And for men, it's about lo- learning how to open up your heart, you exactly. know? And I so. I couldn't have put it better myself. Exactly. Yeah. In, and so in this those, is how we can see we end up being on sometimes in partnerships, um, you know, with our partner, we can be on different wavelengths completely. If one person needs to open their heart more and someone needs to speak more, but both people aren't willing to do it, you know, or, you know, also in same-sex partnerships, if it's both of your voices need to be opened, but one of you is resistant to that, we're going to be having some issues, right? Um, And so this is definitely like a pot-stirring kind of (laughs) process, Um, but it's one that's extremely liberating. Um, And when you are able to move through that and, and find that voice or open your heart space, 
Um, you know, I love the way that, that Barbara put that because I think that that is really the ultimate test of this. It's like, okay, you've been through the psychological trenches of Pluto square Pluto. You should have been illuminated to some of your stuff. Now, if you haven't, if we keep it on track here with, say, in partnerships, imagine that you haven't. You haven't done the work at Pluto square Pluto. You've just, like, kind of repressed, repressed. I don't want to face this. You know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uranus opposite Uranus comes along, and that's sort of that example I gave of suddenly, you know, you think that everything's great in your marriage and your partner turns around and they're like, I'm out of here. They find their voice, right? Um, Because maybe you're still not in a space where you're willing to open up to those feelings. And so, again, this is why this period of time, like, please work with a therapist, work with a couple's therapist. Like even if you think your your relationship is in a great space, there's nothing shameful about having um, relationship counselling, right? Like you don't have to wait till things fall to pieces to do that work. Um, and these type of transits definitely stir the pot a lot uh, around these themes, even if you don't have... Um, the relationship houses being triggered just because from you know a lot of people at that period of time they tend to be in partnership not everybody and nor do you have to be a lot of people don't want to be right that's when they that's exactly why they're leaving relationships at that time because it's like okay i've i've done the relationship thing what's next you know um again it all comes down to your own personal trajectory and experience um i think the main thing to take away from uranus opposite uranus is that you need to rebel with a cause. That is what is going to give you direction during this process because you're going to feel rebellious. You're going to want to flip tables and shake things up and, you know, scream and, you know, um, open that voice. But by being able to channel it into something that actually works with you and not against you, that is how you can really kind of hold yourself through that space. Um yeah, so hopefully that kind of makes sense. I think that's coming up for you soon, I think. <laughs> Another well, year or so, I think. You're really in the midst of all of this stuff right now. So, <laughs> yeah. I, it said in her book, and I mean, I looked back at it twice because I was like, no, it can't be that. It, it said like 44, 45 for me, but. Um, it can be, yeah. So yeah. it's. Um, you know, because the it does. It's, how can I put it? It's not like you know, Uranus spends exactly eighty four years to the day. You know, it's like maybe eighty four years and five days, ten days, that kind of thing. And so, that can kind of adjust things slightly for different people. But yeah, the Uranus opposition I find is normally um, usually closer to about forty four. But we sort of open that space at forty two because of the the degree edging closer. Um, and that you start to feel that energy come in before it exacts. You know, we we need to always look at transits from this perspective of like, um, you know, I can't really think of the terminology I want to use right now. Like I'll just use waxing and waning for this, but there's better words I like to use. But imagine that we have like the transit approaching. Um, you know, that's where the energy is building, right? That we're feeling that squeeze. The actual exact alignment is that release. And then once the planet moves on, within a two-degree span, we're still feeling it, but it's like that, um, you know, moving away from type space. And so the, the time before your transit's exact is always the hardest. And so by the time you get to 44, like that should be when you've gotten the memo, 
for what this is because it all kicked into gear a couple of years before. Um, so like the Saturn return, you know, we don't want to just think that it's, um, you know, yes, being technical, it will be the exact degree, but there is a process that is felt and that is leading you to that process, sorry, to that way first. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I, I love that you pointed out, because I definitely don't want folks to freak out listening yeah, to this, because no. <laughs> I'm so thankful for 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 the Pluto squared. You know, I mean, I won't lie. It was, it was painful. It really was. But I did so much healing. And I mean, I'm so much happier on the path that I'm on now. And I would have never even thought that living this type of a life was even possible. So, yes. I mean, I'm eternally grateful. And um, yes, so just wanted to share that in case it's like, no, and that's this so is a important. lot of intensity. Exactly. Um, you know. But, and I you think know. That having a conversation like in this format is really great too because, you know, instead of me being like super technical astrologer about it, you're also able to like reflect that feeling back into it and be like, you know, um, don't freak out. <laughs> it's okay. You know, and that there is healing from that. I mean, Pluto, like I said, is this energy of regeneration of healing. And so the, the reason for it is ultimately to, to heal, but in order to heal as cheesy as it sounds, we have to feel. And a lot of us, you know, we grow up in, in, societies and families that there's no space for feeling god forbid you have a lot of water signs in your chart right um and growing up in a in a space that doesn't always feel very accommodating to feeling things and so a lot of us like it's not until we're out on our own or we're in our 30s post our saturn return that we start to realize like how repressed we have become emotionally and not through any sort of finger blame uh, finger pointing or blaming but just that it's kind of like this perfect storm and condition that that brings this out in in human beings and that often like there's just not that capacity for that healing and so life will bring you those moments at this time period um and they all kind of cross over and, and coincide with one another so yeah it makes for this sort of very interesting sort of five-year period yeah so let's dive into the next one um Neptune squared Neptune. So does this one normally come after Uranus? So this is sort of where it, or? Yeah, so this is where they kind of really cross over each other. So um I think that Neptune actually and don't quote me on this because I'm not actually looking at any of my books and stuff right now, but I think that Neptune may actually start just before. Um but they pretty much start within again about a year or so of each other. Um, and so, again, we have a square, right? And so, as I said earlier, with squares, it's this sort of friction, this kind of squeezing process that is happening, and it feels, you know, pretty uncomfortable. Um, and so this is a sort of a transit that is a crisis of faith, and this is where we can really um, kind of like everything that we spoke of at the beginning of this podcast, actually, to be honest, because we were just <laughs> speaking so much about Neptune at the beginning. Um, you know, instead of it being a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, it's this square. And so at least with the conjunction that we're having via transit now, like there is a melding or merging happening, um, which can also feel very overwhelming. It can feel like a big wave coming in. 
but when it's the square, it's again, there's like this, it's hard to kind of meet in this, there's, there's no middle ground with these types of transits. Um, and so, yeah, it's a crisis of faith. It is a time where we need to really surrender um, and to, it's not really like an, an external world type of transit. It's a very inner world experience. Um, it's one where I would say it's not really about going out into the world and doing it's much more about sort of sitting back and receiving and surrendering and, um, you know, allowing yourself to find faith again after maybe your life has been shaken up in some way. Again, please don't feel like this has to be a negative experience, this shaking up, right? Because, you know, some of us, we don't like change. <laughs> if you have a <laughs> lot of fixed planets in your in your chart, you're probably listening to this going like, God forbid, I have to change. <laughs> but we know that the very essence of life is change. That's one of the only kind of constants that we have is change. And so the more you can just kind of remind yourself of that in the midst of these changes and just be like, okay, well, you know, like, this or something better, you know, and trust that sometimes you won't see that finish line, but you know that life is pushing you in that direction. That's kind of like what the Neptune square, Neptune rounds off this kind of time with, where it's like after maybe a lot of kind of chaotic sort of change or uncertainty, should I, shouldn't I, a lot of that type of questioning, suddenly we kind of come into this voidal space. And it's so important to allow yourself to just be in that space because so much is then kind of um how can I put it it's like things are happening behind the scenes not in a way to disempower you you know we always have that choice to step up and and make decisions in our life but you know how sometimes there are just those kind of phases where it's like yeah we can't quite see everything that's coming together but we know that it is and somehow against all the odds it does that's kind of what this transit is also like. Um, now, it can be a very escapist type of transit. So this is why I also think, like, this is definitely the guy in the sports car, right? <laughs> um, he's kind of lost in the fantasy of the younger girlfriend or whatever. Um, you know, and how probably, long does this one last? Um, it's going to be about the same. These are all about up to two years. So again, you can see here that if some are sort of starting at like 41, 42, they're ending at 44, 45, you know, you're kind of coming out of one just as another one is starting to build. So I think that, you know, it's so important to look at all three of these sort of consecutively, but also coinciding with each other, because you start to see how they have like, in a way, repeated themes. And so that you can't have one, you know, without the other, and that they all are again, these sort of building, um, you know, sorry, stepping stones, building stones, I was going to say, <laughs> um, these stepping stones to what would be the um, the Chiron return. Now, there's also another Jupiter return at 48. And it's what I taught about in the, the webinar that I did, which is like, you know, after all of this kind of chaos, after all of this sort of like rearrangement that goes on in our, in our early 40s, you know, this Jupiter return comes again and sort of offers us this, this blessing, this doorway, this opportunity. And so, you know, don't feel like, you know, 
that nothing is going to, you know, that things are going to sort of stay the way they are during that process because things, like I said, will always change. There is always growth and evolution. Um, And the more you resist those changes, the harder the process will be. And again, that's why working with like a therapist or, you know, checking in with an astrologer who can just help you kind of on a personal level unpack, um, you know, how this is affecting you more, you know, by, again, the houses, the other aspects in your chart, um, can be really, really supportive during these these periods because, like I said, change is the only guarantee that you're going to have at this time in your life. Yeah. I'm in the, you know, the Neptune, squared Neptune right now, and uh, when you said escapism, like, I have caught myself tuning out more over the past, I don't know, six months, maybe a year. Yep more than I ever have in my whole life. And at first I thought, you know, cause we were still like kind of in the midst of the pandemic. And so I was like, oh, this is like maybe the pandemic happening. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've never been a big, like had interest in TV um, or, and I've always been really pretty disciplined about my cell phone <laughs> and the amount of time I spend on it. Yeah. And I go, I've gone through these periods where it's just like, I can't put it down. I can't get away from it. I can't. And I'm like watching these shows, you know, and I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I've never (laughs) been this way before. Um, It's been wild to experience that in myself when like, I've literally never been that person, you know? Yep. But I think that, you know, there can also be like a healthy dose of escapism too. And I think this is, where we need to be conscious of, yeah, like, you know, there's a difference between like just watching a few shows and getting lost in that to, you know, full-blown delusions that can crop up during this period in in some capacity. Um, So, you know, I think that, you know, being mindful of when we're starting to kind of be too out of our body is is really important so you know any type of like body based body work type of therapy can be so important even just like being on a massage table at this time and allowing yourself to receive and come back into your body because there can be such a tendency during any type of neptune transits to just check out like and that that's also okay you know we don't have to be hard on ourselves for that but we need to acknowledge like okay you know i still have my meat suit i'm still alive at this point in time you know, I have to be here and present on earth in this time and space. And I'm here for a reason, you know, like as much as it's beautiful to move into the upper chakras and to meditate and to have our spiritual practices, they have to be supporting us in real time here. And so this is a period of time where we can sort of teeter on the edge of like, are my spiritual practices, you know, only serving me? Or is there a way that I can help, you know, channel them through me to serve many. Um, And I think that that's kind of a more existential thing that crops up with Neptune, square Neptune as well. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, and I've talked about, you know, this on the podcast for sure. I think that it's okay to tune out. For me, it was definitely when I was catching myself doing that versus when I caught myself tuning out in a way that wasn't in my best. You know what I mean? Like going to an extreme and Part of part of what I put into place for myself was I decided to challenge myself to do yoga 
365 days of 2022 because I'm like hell bent on just stepping more into my embodiment, you know, and, yeah. and it's just, I mean, my, my, uh, my goal is at least 15 minutes a day. So it's doable. Um, but yeah, it's amazing to me when I come back to that sort of a practice. And I think that that's certainly one big, big, big lesson that I've been learning, you know, is just how crucial our like everyday 3D activities really assist us yeah. in actually being able to step in to our purpose, you know, Absolutely. and and what a supportive role that they play for that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all for hey, you know, like go watch a show. You had a bad day, like do that for yourself. But I was definitely catching myself just, you know, mindlessly out, just out of control, you know, in ways that I hadn't been before. It, it's just been really surreal for me because again, it's like not something I've ever been in, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it can be, I don't know. See, it's, it's funny. Cause like, like I said, like I'm a Pisces rising. So (laughs) love a good, um, checkout (laughs) on occasion. (laughs) Um, but you know, I know for me that that's really restorative. And so I think that maybe if you can also look at it from that perspective of like you were doing this not necessarily as a symptom of like checking out but of allowing yourself to restore yourself and to rest, um, you know, I think that Neptune, square Neptune really brings in a period that allows us to connect with ourselves on such a deeper level and to really heal and restore like post the chaos of Uranus opposite Uranus and 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 some of the the heavier hitting stuff that can come up through Pluto square Pluto um I think that it can sort of Neptune square Neptune can be like a bit of a reprieve but we again it's just being conscious of like okay am I actually allowing myself to heal and restore myself or am I just checking out you know and that's something that we all have to question really at any given time anyway um and something probably in the last week that we've all had to really confront with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. I mean, it was right on my north node. So I'm just like, okay, this is part of my destiny, but I'm just like, I'm just in <laughs> bed and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just going to keep watching my shows and that's okay. <laughs> that's my life today and there's no problem with that, you know, yeah. just not every day. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, okay, perfect. So wrapping up here, um, I would love for you to share with us, you know, some ways in which people can work with you. Um, clearly you're a teacher. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, how can people, you know, is this workshop, um, accessible to folks if they want to, to follow up and and take the course again or or what what would you suggest there as well yeah so look like i taught it as a live um kind of like a live class it's not currently up on my site um but i would be happy to link it to anybody who is interested um i am also contemplating i put together like a workbook for it and i have been thinking of just making that available for just a couple of euros on my website um but, you know, one of the, the best ways I would say to work through this stuff is to maybe have a reading um, and that can really help you unpack, like, 
in alignment with your own, you know, life's journey, you know, in being able to share some of your story and being able to unpack together how these um, transits are, are actually playing out for you at this time. Um, and again, that can also be done through my website. Um, and I, I teach courses as well. So my school year starts every October. Um, and if you really kind of want to get to, you know, um, really understanding astrology, you know, if you are a therapist or something yourself, I always say astrology is like such a great um, tool to have alongside other types of therapies. Um, you know, I love to teach students who are also in their own space working as, you know, coaches, teachers or uh, therapists. Um, so, yeah, I teach two levels, beginners and intermediate. So I would love to connect with you if you want to learn more about astrology. Um, it's absolutely what I love doing is teaching. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the the school that like the monthly. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I actually I also have a like a monthly um community school as well so that is for more casual students um if you are just kind of wanting to dip your toes into astrology you're also looking for community just to hang out with other people who are interested in astrology um i have a you know pay by the month school that you can also sign up to um for students who then come along and do like the full-time courses with me you get access to that uh, monthly school as part of your curriculum um, and in that space, I just teach a different astrology sort of topic every month. We open up a lot of conversation around the different topics we pick. Um, my students get to vote every month on what they want to learn about. So it's kind of really fun that like you sort of have a, you can interact and sort of have a say in your education as well. I think that's really important. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just a, a place to, to hang out and, and make friends as well. And there's like learning modules within that, that school as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, it, um, you know, you can actually go back and access everything that I've taught beforehand. Um, and, you know, there's weekly chart interpretation. Um, you know, there's, yeah, all kinds of stuff, really. Um, and then the the more module-based is the, the annual programs that I do. So that's where we actually meet every single week for about, I think it's nine or ten months is my school year. Usually, like, October to July we meet. Um, and that's where we go really deep. That's where we sort of explore things on a more module type of basis. Okay. Awesome. 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 All right, Katie, are you, are you ready for the lightning round? I am ready. Like I said to you though, it's currently <laughs> like, what time is it? It's like quarter to 10 p.m. for me. So I'm like, I've got my like bed brain on a little bit, but I'm, I'm ready. You'll be good. <laughs> I, I would be asleep by now, like straight yes. up. <laughs> Okay. So first question, what is the one habit that you can't live without? Oh, honestly, it's my morning coffee. Like it is my everything. Like I have my moon in my sixth house. So routine and ritual is so important to me. And like that first coffee in my big mug, sitting on my bed and just playing my little decorating game app. Like I like to decorate little rooms. I'm such a grandma. That is like <laughs> my... <laughs> That is my morning every day. That is my my love. I love it. I love it. Okay. Number two, what does spirituality mean for you? Spirituality for me is a process of reconnection, I think. You know, it is it is a pathway and tools that are helping me remember what I already know. Um, and it's it's like this, I don't know, I just love that sort of those aha moments that you have of like, I get it, but 
I know it. It's all coming back to me. Like that's what kind of sparks my joy within the broader sort of spiritual realm and perspective. Awesome. Okay. Number three, what is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose? Um, my advice around purpose is that learn or come to a point of understanding that purpose like actually has nothing to do with hustle culture. <laughs> um, and the the sooner that you can realize that your purpose does not have to fall within like a capitalistic <laughs> kind of space, um, the more content I think you will actually feel. Um, and I would also recommend to learn your astrology chart and come and look <laughs> at where your purpose is hiding within your own blueprint. Can you, is there like a, a quick, a quick answer to where that might be? Absolutely. So um, the midheaven in our chart, so that's a point that separates our ninth and our 10th house. That sort of defines our public image, our legacy, um, for lack of another word, our purpose. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily define it, but it can show us what lights us up in that capacity. Um, and it may not necessarily be career orientated like we've kind of conditioned ourselves to think that it is. Interesting. Oh man, I have so many midheaven questions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be good. You do like a midheaven workshop or something like Gosh. that. Gosh, <laughs> seriously though, because mine just doesn't, anyway, uh, what I've heard about it, I'm like, no. Um, okay. So last question. It's really, really huge. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. (laughs) Yep. Where can people connect with you online? People can find me at (laughs) templeofcosmicastrology.com and the same, um, oh wait, do you mean find me online in that capacity or like? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, All of it. So I was just like, see my bed brain. (laughs) You're good. You're good. Um, And also on Instagram at the same name. So Temple of Cosmic Astrology. Perfect. Okay. And of course, folks, we will link out everything so you can find her very easily. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for sharing thank your you time so much. and it's wisdom. It's been such a, a pleasure. Like I said, um, you know, it's definitely getting to the later end of my evening. So I hope that, you know, for, for everyone listening that I've been clear and concise and that I haven't sort of gotten too lost in the astro lingo or anything like that. And hopefully you have some insights into, you know, this deeply transformative time. Um, And one that I think that, you know, once you come through the end of it, you will sort of, you know, realize like that it's one of actually one of the greatest sort of periods of your life. It can offer you so much, but you have to be willing to, you know, face yourself and do that work. Um, So, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I've always I've always said even when I was younger, like 40 is just getting started. And it's so wild to me that like that's literally how it feels now that Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm just like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, a reminder to folks, I definitely will get that link for them to check out your workshop because this is, I mean, this is dense material and covering it in such a short amount yeah. of time. Like there's so much more here there to is, dive yeah. into. <laughs> I think we so, spent two hours together when, when I did the, the workshop and I still felt like I barely covered everything. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's like whole books written on, you know, um, like chapters written on these different ones. There's a lot. (laughs) Completely. So yeah, you know, again, that's why I really just want to reiterate to people that, you know, it's such a vast topic that I can't even really begin to go to, you know, the depths of what 
this can actually bring to you. And so I really just want to make sure that I'm not leaving anybody hanging in this space of like worry or fear about this period of time and to really look at it as like one of the most exciting sort of expansive um, periods that you'll enter into. And, and like Anna said, like I think that life just sort of starts to get started at, in our 40s. You know, it's something I'm actually looking forward to. So, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, you did a wonderful job. So thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, folks. If you were inspired by today's interview, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe. Be sure to sign up for the email list to receive podcast updates, helpful resources, all the things. And don't forget, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week.